Hey, welcome to the Millennial Dilemma. My name is Shalom. I am your host, and today our co-host is Emilio. Um, yeah, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Shalom? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, living my best life while trying to. Living the dream. <laughs> exactly. What's going on? Uh, well, I'm here to conduct this podcast to see how <laughs> <laughs> i like how your whole demeanor changes from like a completely different person <laughs> i'm just see i'm just here to try this out and see how it goes and talk yeah, about some interesting things and um today we're going to talk about some cultural aspects of uh, our upbringing and how it was different coming to the u.s i was kind of a shock and all of the uh different things that play into that yeah. So, um, where are you from again? I'm from I'm from Paraguay. I moved here when I was ten years old. Oh, dang! Um, I didn't from know you from the capital city. Yeah. What yeah. about yourself? Um, well, I'm from Ethiopia. I came here when I was three. Uh, so basically, a majority of my life has been spent here. But like at the same time, I grew up heavily involved in culture. That was not like American culture at all. Right. Do you remember anything from Ethiopia? Do you remember from your time there? Yeah, yeah, I definitely remember a lot of things. I remember the people, the environment. It was very different than here. Like, um, just like even the roads are dramatically different. Um, yeah, the behaviors of people is very different. Everything. You can't even, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. It's the same thing in Paraguay. Um, there's a lot of dirt roads. Not, yeah, not a yeah, lot yeah. of it is paved. A lot of um, potholes, um, cobblestone roads. Um, there's a lot of n- nobody really follows um, traffic <laughs> laws. Rules? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> same thing in Ethiopia, man. It's, like it's the scariest thing about the place, you know. Besides all the the violence and whatnot. But like, do you think the violence is like what really? Because you know, it's like highlighted like everywhere you go. Like, oh my gosh, it's so violent. America's almost safest place. It's so um, violent. I think that the U.S. is definitely a lot safer than than where I come from. But like, do you think it's as bad as it's like advertised in the news? Like, for for my country, yeah, yeah, in partic- yeah, it, it is. It's, oh, terrible. It's, it's bad. Yeah. Oh dang! I, I mean, like, I know Ethiopia isn't the most safest place in the world, but my opinion is like, no place is perfectly safe. Like, I've never been to where you've been, where you were from, but at the same time, though, there's some really dangerous places in America that that you should not go to. I mean, yeah, unfortunately, no, people live there. For sure, I definitely agree. And there's cities like Detroit, or you know the the certain parts in Chicago that yeah. are, are very dangerous as well as, you know, every, every major city has, has their, uh, their, their dangers. But for example, where I come from, at least you have to, you, I mean, it, it can be safe. It can be safe. Yeah. That's not to say that no place is safe. Right. It, there are safe. There, there's ways to be safe is better put. Um, in the U.S., everybody's used to being under a mantle of protection that nobody really thinks about these things. But in poor countries, in poorer countries, um, we don't have as many amenities, I guess. I'm not sure what you would call them, but like iPhones and uh, even nice cars, depending on even where you Even laptops in schools. Yeah, laptops in schools, depending on, on what city you're from. And in those places, it is dangerous to walk around with earphones in the street just because somebody could come up behind you and mug you or or to 
even to even take out your phone and look at it in public is is a danger. And it's something that people don't think about here just because they have it yeah. so easy. Mm-hmm. But police are not around on every corner watching what you do. There's not as many cameras. They're mm-hmm. trying to get um, something like that put into place where they're they're hiring uh, what they call linces, which are like patrols on on motorcycles that mm-hmm. will watch neighborhoods but, but even that it's it's tough to even stop even like in ethiopia though the police are very corrupt where like if you get a speeding ticket like if you just like hand them like a hundred dollars like not a hundred dollars like in america but they call it like burr and if you hand mm-hmm. them like a hundred burr or something like that they will just let you go and like i remember when i even like got there when i was in the 10th grade and i had a laptop in mm-hmm. my suitcase and we were in the airport still trying to leave i was by myself uh my family had already arrived i arrived a day later and um the guy was like looking at my passport, like he was like, "Where's the cash at? You have lapt- yeah, I had two oh, laptops wow. on my backs." And he's like, "You're not like leaving here unless you give me cash, like a bribery, because like now I'm gonna like now he's gonna make a big deal about it." And I, I didn't even know that. And my my kid brain, everything. I'm like, "Dude, I'm tired. I just got off a flight. Like, let me go. There's <laughs> nothing in my bag." Um, and then uh, I guess the guy saw me as, um, I guess like American. So he just like, basically let me go. He bet. Um, but yeah, aren't the police there also very corrupt? No, yeah, it's it's the same thing. Um, although I think times are changing. Um, and there is police that try to not accept bribes as mm-hmm. much. Um, but but it's still very corrupt. You can you can definitely find police that you can slip a couple guaranias, which is the currency in Paraguay. Yeah. And they'd be like, all right, you're fine, go. I remember the last time I was there, actually... Uh, a few years back, I went to the Paraguayan embassy, and uh, I am now a citizen of the U.S., but I went there, and I got, like, a like a resident card. Yeah. Just paying extra money for it, which was completely illegal, but just for handing them that cash, yeah. they they give it to me. <laughs> that's kind of crazy. Yeah, no, that's insane. <laughs> you know, like, how many, like, channels it has to go through in America for that to happen? Yeah, like, it, it, it would be impossible. Yeah. It would be a huge ordeal. Somebody would get caught. Yeah. So tell me about when you got here, culture shock, everything that went through your brain, your mind. Like when did it like it really hit you that Paraguay is different than America? Uh, well, we were talking about this earlier, but uh, you were talking about how uh, how kids behave differently. Yeah. And uh, what, what was your experience with that? Dramatic. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? Like. I was not really a kid that really analyzed every little tiny detail, especially because, like, I'm like, oh, this is black and white, you know? I don't analyze it. Um, In my mindset, I thought, like, okay, kids treat their parents the same way that uh, I treat my parents, so, you know? And one day, um, um, I just got back home from school. It was either track practice or something, so it was a little later than normal, and um, it was, I think it was, like, a Friday or Thursday, and uh, my dad wanted me to come inside to uh, study. And I'm like, okay, hey, can I just finish this game of basketball with a friend? And then he's like, yeah, once you finish, just come inside so you can uh, study. Uh, and so we're just there playing basketball. It's going a little longer than I expected. But then the kid's, uh, the kid's name was like Kevin or something. But uh, all of a sudden, a car comes up. And I have no idea who it is. But it turns out it's his mom. And his mom starts yelling at him like, where have you been, blah, 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 like, we've been looking for you, searching, driving for you, and everything, and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm scared, I'm like, this mom is about to beat this child, like, right now, <laughs> and then 
to my surprise, Kevin looks at his mom and starts cussing her out. At this point, when he starts cussing her out, I am scared out of my mind because I think my dad's going to come out and be me for what just happened. Um, and I, that, that's the day I learned, like, there's a big difference between me and them. And I'm like, I cannot, and I mean, like, cannot, cannot talk to my father the same way that that kid no way, just no talked way. to his mom. Um, not only that, but, like, it has never even crossed my mind to say those words oh, to no. my parents because <laughs> I'm <Never>. like... <laughs> I know for a fact, like, my dad used to discipline me for whenever my brother did something wrong. Like, it could be, like, I could be at home studying, and my brother did something at school. Like, we don't even go to the same school. And then he'll yell at me for that. <laughs> I'm like, how is this possible right now? But, like, um, yeah, man, like, culture shock definitely hit me, like, in eighth grade and then definitely in tenth grade. And tenth grade was the day that I realized, okay, cool, I have... Like, not different personalities, but basically different personalities. So, like, when I'm at school, like, when I was in high school, this is who I am. For sure. And then when I'm at, like, my, my parents, you know, this is who I am. Did you feel the same thing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, when, I, when I first came here, I... See, in, Par- in Paraguay, we learn English in school. Yeah. And, but it's not, you know, you don't become fluent by any means by the fifth grade. And when I came here, I had a heavy accent. And I was expecting to make friends with everybody, mm-hmm. but but then I was made fun of by a lot of well, a lot of the kids just for having an accent, which made me really self conscious about that. I remember oh, just um, yeah, it happens. But I remember just being friends with with the uh, with the Hispanic group for a while while I worked on bettering my accent and stuff, and and it, w- it was just I don't know, it was something I wasn't expecting. You know, I, I don't yeah. know if you had any of that. I know you came here when you were very young, so you probably missed out on that part. Which is no, 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 actually, no, really, no. So what happened was when I got here, um, I was speaking Amharic with my parents, uh-huh. and then um, whenever I would go to school, I just wouldn't talk at all. So the teacher went to um, went to my parents and said, "Hey, he's having like this." Um, they I forgot what it was called, but they're like, you're talking one language at home and then he's having to like come here and he's uncomfortable with having to speak another language. So like from now on, you need to have him talk in English to you guys. And so my parents, ironically, they would talk in Amharic to me, but then tell me to reply back in English so my English would get better. Uh, I still had like really broken English. Like there was a lot of words I could not say because like when you have parents who are foreign, you learn from what their speech is like. Mm -hmm. So when I was like learning to their speech, there was definitely words I just could not pronounce. Like instead of saying three, I I kept on saying three. Mm -hmm. Um, And like till this day, there's some words I just genuinely can't say. But um, once my parents started talking to like expecting me to speak in English, my English, I started speaking more in classes and everything. I just found out about this recently, apparently, like, something very unethical. Um, I, I couldn't say some words, right, in the third grade or something. So they went, they wanted to take me to a speech therapist to, like, get rid of my, uh, my accent, basically. Mm. And I thought, like, this was a normal thing, like, whatever. And it wasn't until last week where I met um, a speech therapist, and then she's like, 
you're kidding me. That is insanely unethical. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I just turned it down though. Like my, my parents didn't want to spend that kind of money for like something that could well, just your, your go away. Your school recommended that? Yeah, the school oh, recommended wow. that. And I'm like, <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Like I'm kind of, that's kind of like messed up. And I did not know that's unethical until I met a sweet therapist. Um, yeah, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> Try to get rid of my accent. Yeah. Uh, but it went Try away. Trying to whitewash like, you. Uh, yeah, it went away for the most part. Like, there's just honestly, like, a very small handful of words that if I say, like, I, you can tell I have a small accent. But other than that, like, I think I speak English relatively fluently, and so do you. I'm very surprised. At 10 years old, you would think, like, um, that's something that sticks, but it didn't. Yeah, no, I'm surprised myself. A lot of people also come up and tell me, oh, wow, I can't believe you have no accent. And I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks. I tried. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> but, yeah, also another another thing that I noticed that was a big culture shock is just the food, you know? They have the food mm-hmm. and the traditions. There, there, There is no traditions in the U.S. You, I guess you could call Fourth of July, but not really. I feel like every country has their own Independence Day. Everything else they just kind of borrow from other places, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, Irish, and things like that. In Paraguay, for example, we have um, San Juan, which is a, a feast or a, a, a day dedicated to uh, St. John, um, where we have typical food um, and games such as uh, we have this one game where, and it's, it's going to sound crazy, but it's just how it is. We take a ball and we set it on fire <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and we kick it at each other. There's also uh, a man in like a cow, it's not really a costume, but they're like holding it up with sticks, like a little cow, I guess, costume, I want to say it for lack of a better mm-hmm. term. And they also set that on fire and they run around the plaza and they also okay. have games where they soap up um, a pole and at the top of the pole, they put prizes like money or or uh Items of, of okay. value, things like that. And who organizes it? Like the government does? Um, a... I think it's just uh, the pueblo, the little town. They like just people? get together, yeah, okay. and and they and they do that. It, it's pretty nice. But there's also no no typical food in there, or customary food. I don't know what you'd call it. What would you okay. call that? Traditional food in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, the, there's some small traditional foods in the u.s like but it's sometimes like a copy like hot dogs i'm pretty sure are mm-hmm. like u.s only thing or hamburgers i think or hamburgers right French. right right it's, it's um, usually a lot of, of fast food but nothing like yeah yeah traditional yeah, uh, yeah. like american um it's mac and cheese american like, i, don't <laughs> I know. genuinely don't know <laughs> i don't either uh, I mean, the, it's pasta, maybe yeah i think overall in general like i said it before that i don't think america has its own culture but america is in itself like a diverseness of culture which is what really surprises me when people are like very racist or like for example like get out mexicans but at the same time it's like yeah you eat at their taco places like you go to their chipotle like it's just a mimic of their culture at the same time it's also been insanely americanized do you have like any um like traditional foods here at home like restaurants or places you go to that like sell um no interestingly enough there aren't really that many paraguayan places at least in kansas that i've found oh yeah um it's very tough to get the same ingredients from home i need to try your guys' food the what i need to try your guys' food you should man it's delicious okay good you're going to paraguay man and i want to dude that's gonna be so much fun dude it's it's the best yeah 
You want to move it back there, don't you? I do. I want to. After I get my degree here, I'd I like to move back. Oh uh, yeah. Also, by the way, uh, me and Emilio are both studying engineering at KU. Um, it's not been an easy road at all for both of us. It's. Do you think like some you you chose engineering because of, like of a cultural thing also, or um, your parents like what put heavy weight on you uh, to do it? You know, I, I, uh, I wouldn't say it was a culture thing, but at the same time, your parents do want you to succeed. Especially, I feel like the first generation parents that moved to the U.S. and they got their education back home. They, yeah. they always want you to have a better opportunity. And yeah. the U.S. is known as the land of opportunity. So they definitely want you to have something, a, a better life than they than they led. So that kind of pushed me to engineering just because I heard that it was it was um, guaranteed. Well, it is good pay. And also, it interests me. And um, ever since I was a kid, I really like playing video games. And the closest thing to designing it would be engineering, which, you know, they, they mm-hmm. work with code and everything. And at, yeah. at some point, I could apply it to that. But yeah, that's, that's really what drew me to it. What about you? Um, so first I was like doing pharmacy. I remember that. And I just knew that wasn't for me. Um, I, I don't know. I've never been that one person that's like, um, this is what I've wanted to do ever since I was a kid. And I meet a couple of people and they're like, um, this is the only thing I want to do. Like engineering is the only thing I've ever wanted to do. And I'm like, I'm kind of jealous about that because I've never had that one thing. Um, but on the other side of things... I just finally chose engineering. It was either nursing or engineering. So then I was like, okay, I'm, my parents are nurses, so I don't want to do that. So I'm like, let me just go with engineering. And I, I work better with numbers, I guess. I like the calculations. I like the design. It's like, a, it's really creative. Something I'm really noticing nowadays is people are like telling other people not to go to school or not to mm-hmm. do like that. Like, you know, you can be successful outside of that. Right. And I agree, you don't have to go to school to be successful, but don't say school kills creativity it really pisses me off because in engineering it's literally the only thing it's set up is for you to be as creative as you possibly can be with of course different uh, rules and different um, like calculations you have now you're just being creative with also being very analytical and I don't know man I hear a lot of people talking and they're just like school kills creativity and I'm like no it does in some sense but if you don't let it, I think it, I think schools like engineering or any other discipline can really grow your creativity, and yeah. Then yeah, no, I I agree, I agree with that. I, I've also heard things like it kills your creativity, but I haven't experienced any of that. In fact, I feel like my creativity even has grown ever since I've been in college. Um, I think at first it was because uh, I had a fear of losing my creativity just from like you said it's very analytical the engineering Mm -hmm. world and i thought man you know i I really don't want to be completely unimaginative and stick to the yeah to the what do you call it the role stick to the the path i guess yeah i guess let's go with that for now but i just didn't want to end up Mm -hmm. thinking in numbers and forget about my creative side yeah you're insanely good with music. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. No, I'm like, you're really, really good. Are you ever going to create your own, like, channel? I know you post some things once or twice, but, like, are you ever going to create your own, like, SoundCloud or, like, your own Instagram channel and then <laughs> post things? Um, I I do have an Instagram channel. I don't really update it 
as what? often. How as am I just finding out right now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, like I said, I don't really update it as often as I should um, just because of school. But Yeah, I get that. Um, it's called, for those who want to follow, The Midnight Flame. That's a D-A, Midnight Flame. Um, but, yeah, I, it's it's like one-minute videos, nothing real serious. Uh, I do I do at some point want to create, like, a YouTube channel and uh, make some covers, maybe teach some guitar for people, make it maybe use it more accessible for, yeah. for everybody. That'd be oh. cool. That's awesome. What would your parents say about that? Like, if you, if you dropped out of school right now to do that, huh. what would your parents say? <laughs> Um, I think that, if I'm honest, I think at first, uh, they'd probably be like, what are you doing? <laughs> We're so disappointed in yeah, you. Yeah, I'm so disappointed. Uh, we, we spent all this money and you studied for so long. You were so close and you know, I get it. I get it. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm giving what I see school, the university as, as like a safety net. Yeah. And just because that you're in university doesn't mean you have to stick to that path. In fact, a lot of people that end up getting the degrees, yeah, sometimes don't even use that degree and end up doing something completely different and still end up being successful. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I can understand why they would they wouldn't like that, but I feel like they would still support me at uh, at some point. At first, they would be very against it, but if I were to do something like that, then I would have a good reason. And I would have to stay motivated and disciplined and just push myself to to be whatever whatever I dropped out for. Because yeah. there are some people that drop out and they think that they can, um, you know, become huge hits, but they don't put in the work. Yeah, and, yeah. And then that's, that's a whole different thing, you know? Yeah, I get that. Um, I'm... S- Currently, like, there's, like, this big shift happening, in my opinion, of um, people who grew up with very, like, cultural parents, people who, like, immigrated here, they're no longer following the same route of, like, school and everything. And I get it. Like, in, like, Ethiopia, for example, the only way to success is in school and education, you know? So, like, my parents, they really pushed school on me. And I'm thankful for it, but at the same time, I was not a good student growing up. It it wasn't until, like, I got to, like, my senior year of high school or junior year of high school where I started really applying myself. And then, like, till this day, if, like, my friends knew in high school that I was actually in engineering school. A few of them, honestly, I don't think would believe it because they're like, we know you. Really? Like, you were never the... <laughs> I was never the guy that, like, sat down and studied. It wasn't until, like, my junior year. And then, like, when I did start applying myself, I didn't, like, tell people about it. Like, I didn't care. I didn't, yeah, right. I wasn't advertising it. Um, but no, like, I'm finally seeing this shift happen where kids are now, like, pursuing their dreams of either acting or um, songwriting or being artists. Um and I'm very, for some of them, I'm very excited for. And then mm-hmm. for some of them, I'm, like, insanely worried. Because I'm, like, I don't, like, in order to, if someone's going to drop out of, like, engineering school, right, uh, I would first be, like, well, have you been applying yourself, you know? And some people, like, I don't see that application, you know, where they're actually, like, showing up daily, grinding, like, making a new song or whatever. And Right, right. Those kids that, that you're worried about, it's, it's probably those that, you know, change their mind very often, mm-hmm. and they hop from one idea to the next. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's hard to to believe in somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what else about growing up in America has really influenced you that you've seen differently? Um, well, 
I don't know. I feel like, I feel like the the people are a lot different. In Paraguay, they're they're very uh, family oriented and very friendly, very open to you. You say hi to people on the street all yeah. the time. Um, we have a drink called Terere, which is like a cold tea, I guess. And um, you could sit down and drink with a complete stranger and have a conversation and be totally okay. But the U.S. is very closed, very... Isn't it really weird how you're saying that, but at the same time, you also say, like, it's insanely violent? It, yeah, it's... <laughs> it's like that's it's, a contradiction. It is, It's a yeah. really big contradiction. It, that's, like I was saying early, earlier, though, you got to be street smart when, when you are in countries like that. And once you've been living there for a while, you know who who you can talk to and who's who's dangerous just by the way they look. I know that sounds kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get putting that. people in, into categories, but that's how, I mean, you survive in a country like that. But, but yeah, uh, as contradictory as it may seem, everybody's, for the most part, nice. Okay, that's cool. But wow. here, like I said, everybody's kind of closed off. I don't know if you've experienced the same thing. You try to say hello to somebody and they're kind of like mm-hmm. move their head to their side and like... Or you, I don't know you. Well, like, in Kansas in general, I think most of the people are actually really, I want to say nice. Like, I've never actually ran to someone that's, like, um, ignoring me on, like, purpose or something like that. And if they do, I'm like, whatever. Like, I don't really care. But at the same time, I have visited other places like New York, for example, mm-hmm. where I'm like, you can't even wave to someone or open the door or do something because I'm just like, like from my experience, it, may, but it might have just been that day. No, especially in Detroit. I took a trip to Detroit um, with my roommates and we, I remember saying thank you to the cashier. I was like, oh, hey, thank you for giving like for getting my change back. And they rolled their eyes at me. Seriously? And I was like, okay, I guess I, I'm not going to say that here. Uh, uh yeah it was no more stuff happened too like thank me again i dare you <laughs> <laughs> no like uh yeah martin and steve can tell you the stories that it was definitely not a good situation we were, uh, we were glad we got out of there well thanks guys for listening this is the first episode i hope you guys got a chance to see who we are and what this podcast is going to be like hopefully we get better as we go along um <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back whenever we organize this better. Uh, that's all, folks. Yeah. See ya.